0: Assumed you're never going to return it.
1: I have to buy a 16 foot board, and then that trailer. I'm done with it
0: <laughs> for now.
1: <laughs> for now, but I can't find a one by six by six <laughs> right, yeah.
0: anywhere. Property uh, Ben Moore is what it says on the back. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> That's true. Just put a little red flag on the back.
1: No, I'm the issue. Isn't the issue is literally I cannot find one. A 16 foot but one by six. Nothing. I just don't want to have a joint in my handrail. Just have to make Who? The Amish—they don't have them. But he wants a solid piece.
0: He wants a you solid piece. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, get a two by and then just tr- yeah, yeah. oh, look, look, it yeah, it he is right. <laughs> know it's a new song. (laughs) Our judge and our defenders suffered
2: and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seen that we will rise i you.
0: After baptism, it throws off keys and all that, but it's to be a really cool song to sing after baptism. Bless the Lord. Mm-hmm. Just switch them, put bless, yeah, put 10,000 reasons at the end. And I mean, it's not going to be the seamless transition of key to key, but I feel like that works really great after baptism. Yeah, yeah, yes yeah. so That way we're not messing with our. Ten, yeah, yeah. So we'll switch 10,000 reasons in this, I believe. So 10,000 reasons will be the Yeah. How about. Yeah, but we're going to. That was what I need you. Yeah. No, we're
1: good. Do the full. That's fine. How's the Lord? This I believe. Lord, I need you. 10,000 reasons. Yeah.
0: I'm coming up there. Don't worry. Okay, I was going to say, because I feel like I missed, I missed something else up, up there.
1: We're to get the stream live too.
0: Yeah. Oh, yep. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's this go with that.
2: Four minutes, yes.
0: Good. Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Right here. Oh, that one we'll be it. over here in the corner like all the way across sliding across the step. From Psalm <clears throat> I mean one of those days. You wanna preach, Jim? <clears throat> no, that's all right. <laughs> I'll just act it out, okay? From Psalm, the 50th chapter, this won't be on your screen, I just want you to hear these words. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you, for the world is mine and all that's in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. We just got done singing songs, standing Looking at the screen and, and all of us together singing songs you know, on the on the surface of that, just kind of on the face of it, if you didn't know anything about uh, life, if you didn't know anything about history, if you didn't know anything about the church, if you didn't know anybody, if you just walked in here completely new, that's a little strange. It's a little strange. If you were an alien from another planet and you walked in, you saw that, you would wonder what is going on here? Are, 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 they, are, they, are they worshiping this screen? What's, what's going on here? Everybody's standing and singing together. There is a reason why that's done. There's a reason why you see that here, you see that in, in various church bodies around the world. And to a certain extent, there's even a reason why there's an order that many of these services do, an order that they have established. We'll understand that, I hope, as we go a little bit further. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. We thank you for what you are. You are God. You're our Father. You're our Creator, and you're our Savior. We thank you, Father, that we get the chance that you have given us, granted us, a chance to praise you and to worship you. We thank you, Father, for the strength and courage that comes along, the the joy that comes along with worshiping you. We thank you, Father, that you desire these things, and you desire them for the right reasons. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke (coughs) chapter 19, Luke chapter 19. We just read Psalm 50, or a portion of Psalm 50, and it's basically God saying, look, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. There is nothing in creation that I need, nothing you can do, nothing you can say, no way that you can, in fact, act that God needs. And, and I take a lot of comfort in that, that I worship, I hate saying a God, I worship the God that doesn't need anything, including the worship that I give Him, including the praise that I give Him. He doesn't need these things. So why do we do it? Why is it so important? Throughout the pages of Scripture, from the very beginning to the very end, not only do we see that praise is a good thing, we are commanded to praise and worship Jesus Christ. If God doesn't need anything, why do we praise Him? Why do we worship Him? God is unchanging. And so our praise is not going to change him. Why do we do it? Why are we commanded to do such things? You know, many times in Jesus' ministry, he commanded people not to tell what he's done. Uh, commanded people, he, he would perform a miracle and he would say, whatever you do, don't tell anybody. Whatever you do, don't, don't, don't talk to people about me. Don't, don't do any of this stuff. Because he had a, a mission to accomplish. He had, he had things that he wanted to get done. He had teaching That he wanted to accomplish, and the more word spread about him, number one, the more difficult that was. But also, he didn't want to hurry along his ultimate sacrifice, his ultimate crucifixion. And he knew that the more word spread about him, the harder it was going to be to put that off until his timing. So he tells many people, "Don't tell anybody what I've done." I've gone through scripture. I've counted. It depends on how you count and and, and what you count as this. But I've counted about 20 times throughout the gospel messages, really kind of anywhere between 18 times and 24 times, and some of those are repetitive, but you see it in Matthew 8 and Matthew 9 and Matthew 12 and 16, Matthew 17, Mark 1, Mark 3, Mark 5, Mark 7, Mark 7, Mark 8, Mark 9, and others, Luke 8, Luke 9, John 2, John 7, and another time in John 7. That's a lot. That's a lot of times when Jesus says, Don't tell anybody who I am. Don't tell anybody what I've done. Keep this to yourself. The hour has not yet come. This is what he tells his mother when his mother says, Hey, can you, can you perform this miracle? Or can you essentially begin your ministry? And he says, that My hour has not yet come. But today, today the sun arrives in Jerusalem, and the hour has come, the hour has come, the hour has come and will come when we are to live the way we were meant to live, the way all creation is meant to live. I, I told you there's, there's, there's a reason why some of this praise and this worship is so important. In Psalm 104, we read, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, Enter his gates <clears throat> with thanksgiving. That is, this intentional or intentionally entering into the presence of God with praise and thanksgiving. We are in the presence of God now. I'm talking about intentionally, our hearts, our minds entering into this closeness with God. How are we to do it? There's a way in which we're supposed to do it. Enter into his presence with thanksgiving, enter into his presence with praise. Do you you think about that as you approach the throne of God and how so many times throughout Scripture we are told, we just went through Philippians, how we're told don't be anxious about anything, but about everything, pray and petition God with thanksgiving and praise. You enter into His presence with thanksgiving, enter into His courts with praise. You know, I was once told uh, by someone I I, I care about, I, I love and I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Uh, years ago, I was told to be careful when I preach about praise and thanksgiving, because you don't know where everyone's life is and what they're going through that particular day. And while I gained a lot of wisdom from him, on this point, I disagreed. I said, I know two things. I know those who praise Jesus and those who need to be praising Jesus, regardless of the things happening in their life right now, those who praise Jesus and those who need to praise Jesus. Sometimes there are difficult days and difficult times and seasons of life, but that doesn't mean that praise and worship of Christ is off the table. We need to be thanking, worshiping, expressing the significance and importance and wonderful things of God in our life, regardless of what has happened, what is happening, or what will happen. We need to praise Jesus. Many of you know the story that I talk about today. You've heard it before. Today, we celebrate what what we now call Palm Sunday, or in your translation, it may say the triumphal entry. This is the day that Jesus finally arrives in Jerusalem one week before His resurrection. He allows the world, in His timing, to praise who and what He is, and He wants everybody to know about it everybody to know about it. In Luke chapter 19, I might have verse 28 on that slide. I want to start verse 29. As he approached Bethpage in Bethany, now we know he was already in Bethany for a while when he raised Lazarus, when he was making this march to Jerusalem. But then he, he left that place for just a time, not to go back into Jerusalem. He's, it, wasn't, it wasn't time yet. But he left Bethany for a little while, and now he comes back to Bethany. Again, all of this is this march towards Jerusalem. So he approaches. As he approaches Bethpage and Bethany, two little towns, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead of him, saying, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here to me. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Now, I went ahead and put in some of the things that Matthew has and some of the things that John has that Luke did not write down here. And so, in Matthew 21, you don't have to turn here. This will be on your screen. In Matthew 21, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle.'" And riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. This is a prophecy. This is a messianic prophecy uh, spoken by Jeremiah, or spoken by Zechariah in chapter 9 of Zechariah. How many messianic prophecies are there in Scripture? We we did a a message on this years ago. Uh, It depends on who you ask, it depends on how you count. Uh, depends on what you consider to be a messianic prophecy. You know, Boaz is a picture of Christ. Esther is a picture of Christ. Are those messianic prophecies or are they not? There's a lot of stuff like that in Scripture. Uh, but on average, most of what you're going to find, you're going to find about 300. About 300 prophecies from the beginning of creation to the time of Christ talking about the coming Messiah, and in those prophecies some very specific things that this Messiah is going to accomplish. Very difficult for someone to fulfill all of these prophecies in Scripture. They they did a study one time, Um, what was the guy's name, Stoner, Dr. Stoner. He had a team of about 600 students, and they went through to find and study the probability of someone fulfilling some of these prophecies in Scripture, a matter of fact, they, they couldn't do 300. They said, "Forget about 300. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at eight. Eight. What would it take for a person to fulfill just eight of the prophecies about the coming Messiah in Scripture? Just eight of them not counting, not counting the resurrection of Christ. Just eight? What they found is the odds of this, if someone were to live 2,000 years, so they're born when Jesus is born, and they're still alive roughly today, they've lived 2,000 years. A person lives 2,000 years, what are the odds that they will fulfill eight of these prophecies? The odds are 1 in 10 to the 20th. Um, For you uh, mathematicians out there, that is about... 1 in 100 quintillion to fulfill 8. 2,000 years you're alive. You want to fulfill 8 of these. The odds roughly are 1 in 100 quintillion. Jesus fulfills about 334 years. This is the guy we're looking for, by the way. Okay? This is the guy we're looking for. Everything about Jesus, who He is, what He is, points to the truth of God, truth of the resurrection, the truth of what He does, of what He says. These odds are hard to, hard to fathom, yet Jesus fulfills them. And true to form, Jesus was going to enter as the Lamb. He was going to enter as an example for you and me to be gentle, to be humble, to be a servant. He was entering as the lamb. He's going to return, church. (laughs) Not as the lamb, just so you're aware. I mean, that's kind of the best way to look at it. He's going to return as the lion. He is both the lamb and the lion. Continuing on in Luke 19, verse 32, those who were set ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked him, why are you untying the colt? They replied in verse 34, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Now I'm going to interject John chapter 12. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word about him. So there were crowds that were surrounding Jesus even now at this point, worshiping Him, praising Him because of the resurrection of Lazarus. Let's get back into Luke chapter 19. As He went along, the people, or these people, spread their cloaks on the ground. We get to Matthew. I'm going to go back to Matthew 21. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. This is where we get Palm Sunday. You'll find that from Matthew, not necessarily from Luke. People cutting palm branches. This was, this was a sign, a signal of royalty as they were laying these things on the ground. Many people understood the significance of Jesus. A lot of times they did not understand the specifics of what he was ushering in, but they did understand that there was something unique and special about Jesus Christ. Chapter 19, verse 37, this is in Luke once again. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mark chapter 11, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna, this declaration of praise. A declaration of worship. It's similar to hallelujah, but, but really, hosanna simply means save us. Save us. We know that you are special. We know that you're unique. We've heard what you could do. We've seen what you can do. Save us. Save us. In John chapter 12, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The whole world, it seems, is worshiping Jesus. Back to Luke chapter 19, verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. It's unseemly. Why are you doing this? And here, church, is the line I wish to focus on today. Verse 40, I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. If the people don't praise me, creation itself is going to fill the void. Why? Because I will be praised. I will be worshipped. It is right for me to be praised. It is right for me to be worshipped. And if the people don't want to take that on themselves, if they don't want this incredible gift given to them, bestowed upon them, then even the inanimate objects, even the impossible, will become possible because I will be praised and I will be recognized as God. Church, praise, worship, thanksgiving. I'm going to put them all together, okay? All together. Praise is not an extra thing that you do. It is not an extra part of creation. It's not an extra part of your day. It's not an extra part of your church service, if you will. And I, I, Buddy told me one time, he says, he, he doesn't worship here. He says, he says i got to be honest. He said, I, I go to church a little bit later. I don't want to hear the message. I really just don't want to do all the singing. And I'll tell you, this is one of those things where I was like, man, sit down. We're going to have a talk about the importance of praise and worship of who God is. These things are not meant to be done only when we feel like it. In fact, many times the praise and worship of who God is, what God is, what He has done for us in our lives, what He continues to do for us in our lives, needs to be done even on the worst days, even when we don't feel like praise and worship of God. Life's hard. Life's hard. Praise and worship is a fundamental part of creation. Life is hard. Look, if we wait to worship, praise, and thank Jesus until the time is right, or until we feel happy enough, we are rarely ever going to do it. Consider Job, chapter 1. At this, Job got up, everything was taken from Job. Everything, except his own life. Everything was taken from Job. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell, fell to the ground in worship. Why was Job worshiping? Why was he praising God? He had to, because life was falling apart. He had to regain the proper perspective of who God is and who He is. He had to have His Spirit, as it were, refilled, recharged, refocused. He fell to the ground of worship. He realized that God is God. He's not God. Job's not God. And God ought to be worshipped and he ought to be praised. Naked I came, verse 21, from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Or consider 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks In all circumstances, all circumstances. You feel like giving thanks today? I don't know what happened yesterday. I don't know what happened this morning. I don't know what happened last week, how the job is going, how the relationship is unfolding. I don't know those things. The question is, do you still feel like giving thanks today? You may not want to. You may not feel like praising God today. But praise is a fundamental part of who you are. You cannot lay it down. It's a fundamental part of creation itself. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. That's why Job worshipped when everything bad happened to him. He could not, would not quench the Spirit. He would not snuff it out. So, why is this so important? <laughs> it's always good we get to the main point with a couple minutes left. Why is this so important? That was a big setup, wasn't it? Again, do you think God needs your praise? I, I certainly hope God doesn't need my praise. I, I, I certainly hope His, His, His strength and His power and His sufficiency is not reliant upon my praise. Do you think when you praise God, you're doing Him a favor? When you worship God, you think you're doing Him a favor? Guys, that's, that's pagan mythology there. All right, the, the, the Greek gods, right? The Greek gods existed and thrived off of the praise of man. And when man wouldn't praise them, they would cease to exist. That's what that mythology is. That's what all that nonsense is. God doesn't need your praise, and He doesn't need your worship. He doesn't gain power from that. Even Jesus said His nourishment comes from the Father Himself. Before man, God exists in perfect unity and communion with Himself before you were even created. God was perfectly happy. So why do we hear things like Hebrews 13? Through Jesus Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. It is right for us to look for and seek joy in the presence of God. It is right for us and good for us to find our fulfillment and ultimate peace and a unity with God. Why do we do it church the same way God the same reason God wants us to do everything else for our good for our good Why does God want you to obey him Why does God want all of these people to worship him as he's coming into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday not because it's good for him because it's good for us It changes the way You see life in creation. It changes the way you see your own life. You understand what it means to begin to enter into, intentionally enter into the presence of God through thanksgiving, through praise. Realizing that He is who He is, that He is good and He loves you. You know, David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. We're going to talk about this a little bit later on uh, this year here in actually just a few weeks. He appointed people... In that town, he appointed people in the temple simply to be instruments of praise. To give praise to the Lord, to proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, the judgments he has pronounced. This is one of the first things that we talk about during hard times, difficult times, difficult conversations. Yesterday fell apart. How's your prayer life? How's your study life? Are you thanking? Are you praising? If we see these things in the life of David, we can notice some very important things about praise in our own life. Our praise of God helps him to be known among the nations. How many times have we talked about this when it comes to bearing light? I praise, I worship God He is known then among others. And they say, I want what you've got. Or we don't praise. We don't worship. Life is just one big problem. Then God is not known among others. God is not known among the nations. Or at least they look at you and your life and they say, Whatever you have, I don't want any part of. Praise and worship, particularly in the midst of the storm, is one of the greatest testimonies you can give about your God and your Savior and your Messiah. Thanksgiving, when everything, it seems, is taken. It gives us strength in times of need and in times of hardship. We talk about in praise and worship God's goodness. We talk about that to others. What else does praise and worship do? We see this through David's life. We see this as the ark is coming into Jerusalem. What else does praise and worship do? It it involves remembering the things God has done for us. This is one of the biggest things we can do in the midst of a hard time and a difficult season. To remember that everything we have is a gift. The breath you breathe is a gift. We look back upon the sustaining power of God in our lives. And many times we look back and we say it's trial after trial, trouble after trouble, issue after issue. Instead of praising God, look back and saying it's salvation after salvation. And recovery after recovery. And carrying after carrying. And here I am today. This is what praise and worship of God does. He sees me through that issue and that problem and this, this dispute. Here we go. Instead of saying, God doesn't love me or God doesn't care. It helps us remember the things he has done. We praise God for his miracles, which are wonderful and beautiful things. We praise God for his judgment because his judgment is right and it's righteous. That's what we're going through, I believe. I strongly believe that actually right now from Romans chapter 1, a time of judgment in this particular culture and cultures around the world. But even then, as scary as things look and as bad as things look, we can praise God for His righteous judgment. We can praise God for His mercy in our own lives. We can worship Him. All of these things so far, church, have been for our good, not God's. We think about His grace. We think about the deserving work of God to receive our praise. What else does it do? It helps us to remember His faithfulness and His promises. We praise Him. We worship Him because He will keep His promises and does keep His promises. We worship God to remind ourselves that His love is everlasting. You see, one of the reasons we only look at the pit is because we don't praise. We don't worship. We don't thank God on a regular basis, yes, in the midst of the hurricane, to sing out praises to Jesus Christ as He rides into our lives, humble. All people should see God as worthy to be praised based simply on who He is. Even nature is called to praise God and proclaim His glory. All the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Everything worships and praises God in creation. Everything that is. Except people. Except people. People have a hard time understanding and and relaying it over and over in their mind the significance of worship. We have got to realize that it is a fundamental part of being alive. He is praised because He is everlasting to everlasting. But... All of these things are important, and all of these things are practical. They are things that change our minds. There's are things that change our hearts. There are things that, yes, give us excitement, but more than that, give us peace. When we have wonderful days, when we have difficult days, how does it interact? How does it relate between us? James 3 basically warns us that we cannot both praise God and curse others, or remind us that we can't praise God and curse others. If we are to genuinely praise God, then our actions, our words, should be in line with His righteous character. This world is full of the cursing of others. So long as I get mine, I hate you, right? I mean, that's, that's the mentality. Why? Why? Because we don't praise Jesus enough. We don't worship Jesus enough. You cannot, you will not, with a life consumed by worship and praise, you cannot take that same worship and praise and dump curses or hatred or whatever it is upon the rest of His children and His creation. Relationships. Brothers, sisters, friends, husbands, wives, do you praise Jesus? Is that a part of your life? Worship Him every day. To go before Him, to enter into His courts with thanksgiving and praise. And i got to tell you, there's sometimes i got to hunt for it. You ever do that? This is a bad day. I want to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I stand on the edge of his courts going, Father, give me a minute. I've, I, got a, I got a list here. And a lot of these things are crossed off today. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with praise or flip-flop that, however that's written in Scripture. It rejuvenates, revives the relationships between us. This is a day of celebration. And the interesting thing is that we know it's going to lead up to death. It's going to lead up to torture. It's going to lead to embarrassment. This is the, that was the purpose, one of the purposes of crucifixion. All of these things that Jesus is going to go through, and yet we can still worship Him, praise Him, give Him thanksgiving that He went all the way All the way, through the praise, through the streets of Jerusalem, to the days later when much of this same crowd says, kill him, crucify him. By the way, don't put your faith and hope and trust in man. Stop doing that. Right? Same crowd. Right? Same crowd. And yet Jesus goes all the way, all the way to the cross for you and me. Church, you are made righteous. Not because of who you are. It's never about you. It's because of who He is. Because of who He is, we are made righteous. We are called righteous. This deserves praise and worship. Next week, well, next week is Easter, but the week after that, we're going to have a time of singing, a time of music, a time of praise and worship. Don't think for a second that praise and worship is limited to music. We'll get into that later. But that is one expression. So, the next time you walk in here, if you talk to somebody and they say, you know, you guys walk in, you guys are all standing up singing songs. What's that all about? You can tell them, hey, have a seat. Let me tell you about the importance of praise. Let me tell you about the importance of worship. Let me tell you how this is fundamental to who I am and who creation or what creation itself is. Because everything, everything done correctly will praise and worship Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We do love You. We, we try. Father, we, tr- we try to understand that. We try to understand what that means, to love You. We thank You. We thank You for who You are. We thank You for what You have done. We thank You that Jesus died on the cross, that... that, that 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 man's empty praise on on this day was not his goal, that his goal was our salvation, and and he went all the way to the cross. We thank you for that. Father, tomorrow some of us are going to face a bad moment. We're going to face a bad conversation. We may be plagued by a bad memory. That's going to happen tomorrow. That's going to happen this week. Father, I I, I ask that you will help recall to memory that the importance of praise and worship and thanksgiving to give us the type of strength and perspective we need in the face of storms like that. I thank you, Father, that we we get to participate in praise and worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
2: Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like men.
1: Worship Jesus. Praise Jesus. Do it when you leave here. Do it when you get up in the morning. Lori, congratulations. Amen. Welcome to the eternal family, All right? That's the way it goes. First day of forever. That's today. It's a wonderful moment. Wonderful moment. I, uh, I always get excited about things like that and, 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 and also a little nervous. You know, I told Lori, I said, don't be nervous. You don't get nervous until I get nervous. What I didn't tell her was. I'm always a little nervous, you know, when those things. When we do that stuff, because it's, it's a big moment. I, I, get, I get nervous preaching, you know, still, just a little bit, right? I, it's, it's, it makes it fun, and it makes it, it special, and I like things like that. Um, but... Um, It's a good day. It's a good day for everybody. It's a good day for everybody who loves Lori and gets to know Lori and so forth. Um, I want to read Psalm 50. This won't be on your screen. I just want to read a section of it. Psalm 50 says this, starting in verse 8. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in their fields are mine. If I were hungry, (laughs) I wouldn't even tell you, for the world's mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the days of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. Thank you so much this morning for just just various things. And, And I thank you again for here, for now, for this moment to hear from Your Word, to be reminded of important things in our life and important things of Your character. Father, I thank You that we get to look forward, uh, starting today, we get to look forward to just, just the biggest day, the biggest moment in all of history. I thank You, Father, that we begin to celebrate it now. Help us to celebrate it all the time. Help us to do these things, to remember these things, the significance of Jesus' death and His resurrection. I ask Father that you help us to gain today, maybe gain perspective, uh, maybe be reminded today of important things in our lives and things that you want for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, <clears throat> does God need anything? Does God need anything? You think so? It's a good, good answer. Right? God, Jesus, the Bible, or praise and worship. Those are the answers in church. If you're not sure, just that, that's the answer, right? Our praise. Our praise. See, this is, this is really what I began to ask when I saw the praise and worship of Jesus as He enters into Jerusalem. I, I, I saw the, the people singing, uh, the, the people shouting. Uh, I saw the, the, the coats and the palm leaves on the ground, and I asked myself, is, is this something he needs? Is, is, would he be less if this didn't happen? Would he be less God? Would he be less powerful? Would he be less full? Would he be less perfect? Would he be less if we did not praise him, if we did not worship him? And I came to the conclusion, of course, through Scripture with nothing but respect to Joyce. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. In fact, He is by nature unchanging. So our praise, our worship, our thanksgiving, all of these things that not only are we allowed to do, encouraged to do, but commanded to do. Commanded to do, do not change anything about God or fill a need in God's life. We just got done uh, singing, right? We just got done singing songs. Everybody was standing up, band was playing. We're all looking up here, you know, screen. We're just singing songs. We just showed up on a day out of the week, got together in a group, and started singing songs. Now, if you're an alien from another planet, and you don't know anything about humanity, or you don't know anything about history, or you don't know anything about church history, or anything like that, and you walk into that scene, it's going to seem a little strange. It's going to seem a little odd, or at the very least, a little confusing. What are they doing? Why are they doing this? What is the significance of this? Am I supposed to be doing this too? Is there something wrong with them, or is there something right with them? What is happening is we're singing all these songs together. There's a reason why that that, that, that music, that worship is a part of, of our, our gatherings of a church body. In fact, there's really kind of a reason why church gatherings, uh, remember this isn't church, right? You're the church, this is church gathering, right? But there's a reason why church gatherings have kind of developed, really, for the most part, into that form. Many times we sing, we worship, we praise. Then, you know, later on in the service, we, we, we have this time of prayer, this time of communion. And then finally, we get, to, we get to the preacher. You know, if we have time, we get to the preacher. Um, and, and that's kind of the way this is developed in many different churches and many different denominations. Um, and, and it's done that way for a reason. You know, today is, uh, leading up to the, the resurrection, today is Palm Sunday. Today is your, what your Bible might call the triumphal entry, depending on what translation you have. And this is recorded in all four gospel accounts. Not everything is recorded in all four gospel accounts. But this significant moment is. There are many times in Jesus' ministry that he commanded people not to tell what he has done. You know, he would, he would perform a miracle, he would teach a lesson, he would heal somebody, and he would tell the person, whatever you do, keep this between us. Don't go telling anybody, don't go, you know, writing this down, don't go, uh, you know, sharing it with your friends. I, I honestly, I have no doubt that that's what he told Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead four days, knows all kinds of wonderful things revealed to him, and yet never once do we see Lazarus talk about his experience. That's because Jesus, I, again, I have no doubt, just said, hey, look, it's between you and me, nobody else. All right, I don't want to rob people of faith. So there's many times that that jesus does this in fact as i go through scripture if i go through the gospel account i count about 20 depending on how you count or what you consider these things i i I counted about anywhere between 18 and, and 23 times that jesus said now some of these are repeated uh jesus said hey look don't tell anybody about this this is this is this is our little secret for right now okay don't tell anybody about this you find this in Matthew 8, Matthew 9, Matthew 12, Matthew 16, 17, Mark 1, 3, 5, Mark 7, again in Mark 7, twice in Mark 7, Mark 8, Mark 9, Luke 8, Luke 9, John 2, John 7, and John, again, another time in John 7. That's a lot of times throughout the gospel, and those are all different. Some of those then are repeated. So, that's a lot of times. Jesus has said, don't tell me my hour's not come. The time has not come yet. I'm working on a schedule here, and this is going to play out the way I determine it will play out. And so I don't want you to tell everybody because that makes this a little bit more difficult. I also don't want to hurry along my crucifixion because that's going to happen at a specific day and specific time. That's going to happen at Passover when I'm arrested. So all of this stuff is going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. So for right now, I want you to stay quiet. My hour has not come. But today, the sun arrives in Jerusalem, and the hour has come. The hour has come and will come when we are to live the way we were meant to live, the way all creation was meant to live. Jesus wants people to praise and worship who he is and what he is. Psalm 104 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And what do we mean by enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise? This is intentional presence before God. God is with us. God is present in the Christian life. And we've said it before I've probably said it before but I, I don't like saying it I, I probably ought to stop saying it Father I invite you or Spirit I invite you into this place or in this life or in this time God says man I'm already there okay you've given your life over to Jesus I'm there all the time you need to remember this So there is always this presence, but there is an intentionality in our hearts and our minds, certainly in our prayer and worship time, but also in our petition time, whatever it may be, our study time. When we enter into the presence of God, you enter at His gates with thanksgiving and it's courts with praise. One of the the issues, one of the, uh, might be a problem, uh, you could call it a problem. We don't enter into the presence of God under this veil of worship and praise. Sometimes we enter into the presence of God in fear, in anger, in frustration, and in in hatred of things or people or situations. We enter into the presence of God feeling sorry for ourselves. We enter into the presence of God uh, under duress. We enter into the presence of God because we simply think we have to, all of these things. And God says repeatedly, look, we're going to get to all of these issues in life, but I want you to enter into my presence with thanksgiving. I want you to enter into my presence, into my courts with praise. We just got done reading through. We're talking about Philippians, where Paul says the very same thing. He says, pray with all kinds of prayers in all occasions with praise and thanksgiving. That's how this is supposed to be done changes our very lives and our very perceptive, our perception as we enter into the presence of God. Praise, praise, worship, thanksgiving. I'm going to put those three things together today. Praise, worship, thanksgiving. We're just going to put all that together in the word of praise. You know, I was once told by someone I, 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 I respect. I, I've learned a lot from them over the years. But I was told to be careful when I preach about praise and thanksgiving because you don't know everybody's life. You don't know where they are. You don't know what's happening in their lives. And I, while I have learned a lot uh, from him over the years, on this point I disagree. I disagree completely and I expressed that. I said, look, I, said, I don't know what's happening in everybody's life, but I do know there's two types of people, those who are praising Jesus and those who need to praise Jesus regardless of what's happening around us. Regardless of what we're walking through, regardless of how dark the storm seems, how black the storm seems in the moment, there are those who praise and worship and honor the name of Jesus Christ and those who need to do this because of the strength and courage and change of the life that it gives them in our praise. Regardless of what has happened, regardless of what is happening or will happen, we need to praise and worship the name of Jesus Christ. So many of you know the story, you've heard it. Today, the celebration of Palm Sunday. Again, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem one week before the resurrection. He allows the world in his timing to praise who and what he is, and he wants everyone to know it. This comes from a number of places, obviously all three gospel accounts, but I'm going to look primarily in Luke, Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19. uh, I'm going to start with verse 29. Start with verse 29. As He approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, He sent two of His disciples ahead of Him. So, He raised Lazarus very close to this point in His march to Jerusalem. Uh, But after He raised Lazarus in Bethany, He left town for just a little bit. Okay, he didn't go into Jerusalem, and he was not in Bethany. He left Bethany for just a little while. All of this was part of the journey, and now he's back at Bethany. Bethany is very close to Jerusalem. So he, he, he arrives at Bethany, and he says to his disciples in verse 30, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying the colt, just tell them the Lord needs it. Now, this is where I'm going to interject Matthew 21, just so we see the whole story and we read the whole story. Matthew 21, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. This should be on your screen. Yep. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. This is a messianic prophecy found in Zechariah chapter 9. Jesus fulfills these Old Testament prophecies in his life. Just that his very existence is fulfilling many of these prophecies. Uh, people have wondered, and we did, a, we did a, a message on this a couple of years ago, how many prophecies Jesus fulfilled. Well, again, it depends on who you ask and how you count. Um, you get anywhere between 200 and 400, uh, but what is a messianic prophecy? You know, Boaz is a picture of Christ, Esther is a picture of Christ. Are those, are those prophecies or are they not? And so if you fall roughly in the middle, you're going to fall at about 300. 300 prophecies in the Old Testament talking about the coming Messiah, talking about Jesus who's going to show up on Palm Sunday, who's going to go through the crucifixion and the resurrection. 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfills in his life. I don't know exactly or I didn't know what the odds of something like that happening, but someone did. In fact, Dr. Stoner put together a group of 600 students to figure out the probability of one person fulfilling these prophecies, one person fulfilling these prophecies. In fact, 300 was too many. He said, we're going to narrow our field to eight. Eight. Eight prophecies, not counting the resurrection, not counting the resurrection. We're going to limit our scope of this study to eight prophecies. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to allow this person to live 2,000 years. So they're going to be born at the same time as Jesus. And today, they're going to be, you know, still living. I mean, 2,000 years later, here we are. They're going to exist. They're going to live just like you and me, but 2,000 years. So for 2,000 years, this person's going to have a chance to fulfill just eight of these prophecies. They put together the numbers. The result was 1 in 10 to the 20th power. Uh, For those of you keeping score, that's one in 100 quintillion just to achieve eight of the 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life in 34 years. 34 years. This is the guy we're looking for. Okay? This is the guy we're waiting on. This is the one who is going to save mankind. The odds are hard to fathom. But true to form, Jesus enters as the Lamb. He enters humbly. He enters gently. He does this as an example for you and me, that you and I have the opportunity to live a gentle life, a humble life, to live the life of a servant. That's the servant. We've said this before. That's the highest honor. That's the highest praise that God gives a person. The highest title that God gives a person is one of servant, one of servant. Verse 32 in Luke chapter 19, those who were sent ahead found, as he, found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the coat, colt, the owners asked him, Why he untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus and threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. Now I'm going to put in John chapter 12. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. They were following Jesus. They were growing. They all saw this resurrection of Lazarus. This has not happened very long ago, and so now they're continuing to sort of be around Jesus as he's making his way to Jerusalem. Luke 19, 36. As he went along, those people, these people spread their cloaks on the road. I'm going to go to Matthew 21. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. That's Palm Sunday. That's where you get Palm Sunday. That's a picture of royalty. That's a picture of nobility when people would put palm trees or palm branches on the road. Luke 19.37, When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mark 11, verse 10, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, Hosanna, Hosanna is very much related to Uh, hallelujah that we would say, but, but it's a little bit different. It's not just a shout of praise. It's a shout of beseeching Jesus, save us, rescue us, change our lives. Hosanna, save us, we pray. That's what it means. To say Hosanna. John 12, 19. So the Pharisees are watching all of this, and they said to one another as he's entering the gates with all of this shouting, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look at how the whole world, it's one crowd, but this is how we do things, right? The Pharisees, look at this big guy, look how the whole world has gone after him. Luke nineteen thirty nine. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, and keep them from praise. Keep them from worship. Keep them from thanksgiving. Keep them from being excited about who you are and what you are. Because they knew that praise, worship, thanksgiving, excitement about Christ is very, very powerful. And it spreads and it changes. It affects us. It affects those around us. And the Pharisees didn't want that. So what did they do? Quiet down your praise and worship. And this is what Jesus says. This is the line I was really trying to get to through all of this. Luke 19, 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, even the rocks are going to cry out. Even the rocks are going to praise and worship who and what I am. Bottom line, Jesus says, I am God and now is the time to praise and worship me. And this is offered as a gift. And the human beings, they don't want to take it up. The rest of creation will. The impossible will happen when it comes to the praise and worship of Christ because of who he is, because of what he is. And there is no way that we can escape, that creation itself can escape the necessity of praising and worshiping and thanking the God and creator that we serve. It is not possible. So we can join in, or we can be left out. We can join in, or we can be left out. All of creation praises and worships Jesus, as many of you know. Many of you know the uh, different verses and passages we see in Scripture, playing their music, clapping their hands as the trees of the fields do, as the mountains begin to call. Jesus is worshiped and he is praised by everything. You and I get to participate or we get to let the moment slip by. Praise and worship and thanksgiving towards our creator. Church, these are not extra concepts. They are not something you do on top of everything else in life. Nor are they meant to be done only when we feel like it. Praise, worship, thanksgiving towards God is a fundamental Part of creation, it is a fundamental part of living, of being alive. You can't take that away and still be the creation that God made you. In fact, I've I've had conversations uh, with a buddy of mine. He's a good guy. I like him. He lives Bell Fountain, but we we've talked before. And he's told me, he says, you know what, a lot of times I like to show up, you know, when they're teaching the lesson, when they're doing this, because, you know, I I just, I don't need the the worship time. I don't need all the singing. I don't need all the praising and all this stuff. And that was when I sat him down and said, let me, let me me tell you something about worship. (laughs) Let me tell you the significance about worship. That is as much a part of your life and a part of your existence as everything else is supposed to be. Everything else. In fact, creation itself is designed to worship Jesus. Again, we're not supposed to do it only when we feel like it. Life is hard, in case you haven't figured this out, in case you haven't noticed. If we wait to worship, if we wait to praise and thank Jesus until the time is right, if we wait until we are happy enough, then we will rarely ever worship Jesus. We will very rarely ever praise Jesus. That's why I've said there's two types of people, those praising Jesus and those who don't feel like it and need to. Need to worship Christ in the bottom of the pit, in the midst of the storm. Consider Job, Job chapter 1 at this. Job had lost everything, everything. I mean, you name it, he lost it. Everything that was dear to him, Job lost. At this, Job got up, he tore his robe, shaved his head. He was grieving, right? We know that that's perfectly fine. Then he fell to the ground in worship, and he worshiped God. And he praised God for who God is, for what God is. He praised God because he is God and Job's not God. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord forever be praised. And the narrator then says, and Job did not sin in this. Or consider the words of 1 Thessalonians. This is Paul in chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Did you feel like giving thanks today? We sang songs. We have the chance when we wake up. We have the chance as we see the sun rise to thank God for who he is, what he is. We get the chance to thank God for who we are. We are told the Holy Spirit renews us day by day. Every moment you open your eyes, every time you wake up, every time you are changed and refreshed, you wake up a new person. You wake up perfect. That's what it is. That's literally what that means in Scripture. That you get to wake up morally, emotionally, this standard before God, this righteousness before God, absolutely perfect, because you're renewed day by day. You've got to deal with the consequences of yesterday. Yeah, you still got to slog through that. I get it. But you get to wake up every day praising, worshiping Jesus. You get to wake up every day thanking Him for who He is, what He does, that He went to the cross for every person in this room. Did you feel like giving thanks today? Because Paul didn't tell us to give thanks in certain circumstances. He tells us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. See, this is the issue, isn't it? Whether it comes to our lives, Sometimes our emotion, sometimes relationships, sometimes the desire to know God, to be a part of God, to to talk to Him. Sometimes when it comes to showing love to others, sometimes when it comes to feeling sorry for ourselves, we've quenched the spirit because we don't praise, we don't worship. All hope seems lost. And what we ought to do is raise our hands and praise the name of Jesus Christ. Because you're not lost. Not if you've given your life over to Him to save it, protect it, hold on to it. You see, this this lack of praise is at the root of so much of the, the issues and problems that we face between people. They've forgotten. They've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten what Christ is, who Christ is, and what He's done for you. And the person next to you, all on the same cross, I thank you, Jesus. I praise you. I worship you for the death you died for me and this person I'm currently yelling at. All of a sudden, it begins to change that relationship a little bit. Praise, worship, dancing. We're going to talk about this a little bit later on. Guys, you want to dance, dance. You know, everybody tried to take away David's praise, take away his worship. That's what his wife did. Right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He says, woman, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. Don't let him take away your praise. Don't let him take away your worship. Don't let him take away your gratitude, expressing who and what God is and your own life, your own body, your own mind, your own heart. So why is this so important? We know that God doesn't need it He doesn't need our praise and worship. When you're praising and worshiping God, you're not doing Him a favor. You understand that? You're not doing Him a favor when you worship Him. It's not as though He was waiting there, sitting on the edge of the seat, pining, because He's really feeling bad about Himself until you praise Him. No, you're not building His strength. That's pagan mythology there, that God's gained their power from the praise of man. If man stopped praising, then the gods would cease to exist. Now, even Jesus said his nourishment comes from the Father himself, not from man's empty praise. Before man, God existed in perfect unity and communion with himself before you and I and the rest of creation was even around. So why do we hear things like, through, through Jesus, this is Hebrews 13, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. He wants us to praise Him, worship Him, thank Him for the same reason He wants us to do everything else He wants us to do. For our good. For our good. Again, you're not giving Him some sort of favor when you praise He is allowing you to participate in an act, and action that strengthens and builds who and what you are. That's what praise and worship does. We are commanded to do it because it's right and it's good and it's healthy for us. We're commanded to do it with the proper perspective. He's God. You're not God. He's right. We're not, well, we're not right unless we do what He says. right? He's the one that writes out life and history. He's the one that holds tomorrow, not you and me. He defines our life. He's the one that gave us the very breath that we breathe. That's God. That's not us or anyone or anything else. When we recognize that, we recognize proper praise, proper worship. It makes us humble before who and what God is. I love, we're going to look at David later on. Don't worry about that, but... There's a great part in, in, in David's life in First Chronicles as he's bringing the ark into the covenant. He sets up the Levites to specifically be praisers. That's it. That was their job. Praise, worship, because it was so vital and so important, because it gives us life. Our praise for God helps Him be made known among the nations. In praising God, we talk about His goodness to others. Praising God involves remembering the things that God has done for us. We praise God for His miracles. We praise God for His judgments. We think about His mercy and His justice that both deserve praise and worship. Praising God helps us to remember His faithfulness and His promises. We, we, We almost take for granted That God's promises are always going to be seen through. When we praise and worship God, we're reminded that His love is everlasting. Everybody everywhere should see that God is worthy of praise and worship based upon who He is. And again, even nature itself is called by God to worship and praise Him. And I think sometimes we recognize it, sometimes we don't, but it's there. It's there. You can't escape it. It's a part of creation. It's fundamentally built into you. Everything in creation praises Jesus except humans. It's the only part of creation that chooses not to. It's ridiculous. It's nonsense. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Your life is to revolve around praise, worship, thanksgiving, Interchange those if you want to. Put them however you want. That's all a part of it. Sometimes it's done through words. Sometimes it's done through music. Sometimes it's done through dance. Sometimes it's done through excitement. Sometimes it's done many different ways, okay? But you enter into the presence of God properly with thanksgiving, with worship, with praise. When I don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it, because you've got to climb out of the pit, and that praise and that worship brings you out of the pit. Guys, I've done it. I've done it. I've had the days when I've said, you know what? I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just tired. God says, don't make up that decision until you praise and worship me a little bit. And we go into praise, we go into worship, and I start seeing all the wonderful, beautiful things of people, and Him, and what He's done, and all the ways in which He's blessed me in life. And I look at my own self, I said, what's the matter with you? Look at all this wonderful life that God's given you. It pulls you out of the pit. Praise, worship, thanksgiving. Do it more. Do it often. Because if you don't, He's still going to be praised. Just not by you. Just not by you. Some inanimate object is going to take your place. Right? Even the rocks are going to cry out. I got a little upset. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are so patient with us. You're so you give us chance after chance after chance. You give us understanding. You give us You give us the the, the opportunity to ask and to and to practice and to and to see. Father, I don't know where everybody is. You know where everybody is. You know what their emotions are like. You know what their lives are like. You know what that that difficult moment is that they've got to face, that they've got to understand. Father, help us. Help us. Recall to mind. Father, use your spirit to recall to our mind the importance of praise and worship and thanksgiving as we enter into your presence. I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you, Father, that sometimes... Some days their eyes are completely open to this same type of thanksgiving. But when they're not, when they're not, please be patient. One more time, be patient with us. Lead us through that storm. Lead us through that valley so that we can have that proper perspective. We thank you, Father. We thank you that, that we, are, we are looking. We, we are seven days away from the greatest moment in all of history. We get to celebrate that all week long, Father. Help us to remember that. Make this a week of celebration, no matter what happens. A week of celebration in our lives, our homes, our families, our thoughts. Make it a week of celebration. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
2: his home your
1: people maybe you're watching today um, maybe you're not here because this morning was rough start praising Jesus start worshiping Jesus start start with something small you know I've told you I've told you guys often I start with my shoes I just my head's bowed and I start with my shoes I start with the soles of my feet sometimes thank you for shoes and it starts building from there it's like the mustard seed that just grows we have no reason not to worship and praise Jesus don't let anybody take that away from you either. Because this world's going to take that away. It's going, to, it's going to suck that out of you. Don't let anybody take it. And if you're married, your spouse is worshiping and praising Jesus, or your kids are worshiping and praising Jesus, don't you dare take that away from them. Don't you, don't, you, don't you take that away from them. You and I will have words, and you'll lose. All right? Let them praise. You praise Jesus and worship Him. Middle of the night, when the sun comes up in the morning, but particularly in the middle of the storm remind yourself how good and wonderful he is and you are a unique creation let's pray Father again we thank you you are our God, our Savior you're our Father and our Creator we acknowledge that we, 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 everything that we are comes from you everything we have, yes but even if, even if all of that's gone who we are and what we are and the fact that we get to live eternally in your rest, in your paradise is a special gift that you've given to us, and I thank you for that. Father, if there's anybody here, if there's anybody here who doesn't fully understand, if there's anybody here who hasn't accepted that truth, Father, I want you, please, take that burden off their heart. Take that uncertainty off their heart. Take that anger, take that fear off their heart, and let them give their lives over to Jesus. Just let them give their lives over, and then go ahead and live what it is to experience this peace and this joy, this looking forward to you and everybody else living together someday. I thank you. I praise you. I worship you for who you are. Father, what a great week we have. What a great week we have coming up that we get to remember the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that our very purpose and meaning is displayed in this week coming up. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.